be people smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Be People Smart podcast. So as it's season two, it is all about myth busting and today we are going to be busting more myths and when I say we, it's because I am joined by Simon Houghton today. So I'll get Simon to introduce himself. Simon. Thank you very much, Jodie. Um, well, so what my introduction. Um, I'm a management consultant by trade. Uh, I focus on culture and organisational change. Um, but I, uh, my sideline, if you like, uh, you can call it that, is that I'm, I'm deaf. I was um, born deaf many, 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 many years ago. And um, I basically... Um, sort of I don't know, February, March last year, in 2001, I decided to start a deaf awareness campaign. And um, that's been going for the last 12 months. It's going quite well. Um, it's a sideline, I, I work for a living. And uh, I'm just really pleased to be invited to your podcast to to talk about disability awareness. And, and I can take the shape from deaf awareness which is my area so I'm really looking forward to having a conversation about that so thank you very much. Wonderful so 2021 while we were still in lockdown you started a whole new focus. Yes yes and I look back and I um it was yeah it was really it was it was quite pivotal to my I've never been a deaf advocate you know deaf warrior or anything like disability warrior um, as I said, I was born deaf and I've had numerous challenges uh, from at school, had, um, you know, low level bullying because I'd be the new kid. My, my parents, my, my dad worked in sales and we were up and down the country. I was born in Tunbridge Wells, lived in Scotland, moved to Sussex. I've been all over the place. And so I was the kid who turned up with the very nice NHS behind the ear hearing aids on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock to be greeted by 30 kids who've known each other for five years or something. I would have to fit in with these people and I watch that in your ear. And, and so I got low level bullying. Um, and then even so far as at, at college, sorry, no, at work, I, uh, I got thrown off a project because I was, um, I misheard something. I misheard an action basically. And uh, the programme director wasn't happy with that. And he actually threw me off a project. So I've had ups and downs, um, but actually it was the pandemic that completely stopped me in my tracks. So prior to that, I would dust myself off and move on. But actually, because of my deafness and because of my because of how much I rely on lip reading, that I was simply unable to communicate with people. And you'll probably remember um, back at the time in February, we had these essential services. And so the essential services like your, your doctor's surgery, uh, hospitals, pharmacy, opticians, supermarkets, and all the other businesses were either working from home or they weren't working at all and everyone was um, uh, furloughed. And at that time, from sort of, October, November, December, January, I was having these experiences, talking to doctors, surgery. I burst into tears at my local uh, 
uh, doctor's surgery when I spoke to the nurse who were all gowned up and I couldn't hear a word she was saying and she eventually said how are you and, like, and uh and then in the opti- uh, the pharmacy where the person refused to take their mask off even though they were standing in front of a perspex screen and I'm like please you know I can't hear you if you could just you know and then he kind of realized and then finally, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you like, was when I went to an optician's. And I went to the opticians and they wore a mask and a face shield. And they were saying, is, is green better than red? And you're doing a normal test. And I must have said about 12 or 14 times, I'm really sorry, I'm deaf. I can't hear. I have the lip read. And this person just carried on. No understanding what I said. They might have might have increased the volume I couldn't hear it I'm deaf so I, I wouldn't know but they just carried on and, and my frustration levels were going up and up and up and then at the, <laughs> I can laugh at it now at the very end the uh, the opticians said if you get floaters come back to the opticians <laughs> I couldn't hear because you were wearing a mask she said go straight to a and I'm like wow what go straight to a and e and i don't know what you're talking about and i said i'm deaf i can't hear you i have to lip read i said Ugh. so instead of murdering her i thought that was best if i <laughs> asked her to tell, tell my wife so my wife was kind of outside she was shopping so i called her she came and she told my wife what what she'd said we chose some glasses, we left the opticians, we were getting in the car and driving home. I said, oh, by the way, what was it that the opticians said? And she said, oh, if you have a detached retina, go straight to A&E. And I'm like, well, I've got all these questions now. Why did she say it? When's it going to happen? What are the symptoms? What can I do to stop it from happening? All these things. And I couldn't have that conversation because, you know, I was on my way home. And so I got really sort of angry that I was isolated from that conversation. Anyway, fast forward two weeks later, I had to go and pick up my glasses. And my wife couldn't come with me. So my wife doesn't trust me to find my own glasses. I'd look at, end up like Dame Edna Everidge or something. I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to choosing things like clothes and glasses. I was with my wife with me. Um, but she uh, works at the hospital and she was on call. So she couldn't come with me. So I had to go on my own. And so I thought, what do I do to stop this lack of communication thing going? So what I did was I I doctored my mask. I wrote lip read and um, death on the cheeks of my mask. Not on my cheeks, but on my mask. And so I walked into the opticians and you had those early on, if you remember, we had these like COVID stations before you could get into the shop. You had to wash your hands and stuff oh, and yes. be, be booked in and um the lady saw me walk into the opticians to towards this counter without taking it without saying anything she took a step back she pulled her mask down she said how can i help and that was has even given me goosebumps now that that was the first time anyone has ever said anything to me to make me feel like i was being listened to and i can understand it because it's a hidden or an invisible disability. So, of course, no one would know. But the fact that I'd written this made this lady alert to the problem that I was experiencing, which I can't hear you because you've got a mask on. 
and um, we talked about it. I said, was it a good idea? And she said, yes. And anyway, cut long story short, I wrote about it on LinkedIn. Uh, I didn't get my Dame Edna Evers glasses. I got the right ones. Um, I wrote about it on LinkedIn, about 100 or so thousand people viewed and lots of engagement and people saying, I didn't realise deaf people would struggle with masks. I'm like, it's obvious to me because I have to lip read, and, but people didn't realise so I was answering all these questions and I said, would anyone like some training? Now, I'm not an expert, not an expert on anything really, but I'm not an expert in deafness other than the fact that I'm 40, <clears throat> 40 odd you know, years, I'm 49 in, uh, in September. So I've had the experience of being deaf and I know what it's like. So I just put this training together and it was about a year, oh, sorry, an hour, sorry, an hour, an hour long. And um, 70 people joined a Zoom call and I went through it. I got some really great feedback from people. And um, basically, that was the beginning of this campaign. The training is now online. It's free for most people, not for profit. There's a small amount of money if you're a commercial business. And if you're a really, really rich company, well, maybe you can pay a bit more. Um, but it, ultimately, it's down to the idea is, is how can organizations and their employees better communicate with someone who's deaf or hard of hearing and that's what the campaign is all about and there's training on there you don't become a you don't have a degree in deaf studies as a result of doing the training it's quite it's quite easy to get through it teaches you about the different types of deafness like that um you know whether it's a blockage or whether it's uh, nerve um challenges talks about the signs to look out for that somebody might be deaf. It looks at tools that people use. So you might be familiar with the sunflower lanyard, hearing aids, the loop system, sign language, all that sort of stuff. And then it also teaches, and a couple of other things, and also teaches you how to communicate someone on video, face to face, and on the telephone. So that's the kind of thing. And you get a quiz at the end and a nice little certificate. And so far, we've got 210,000 employees have access to this training, cutting across, I think we've got about 26 NHS trusts around the country in the UK. We've got the um, Hampshire Police. I'm based in Basingstoke in Hampshire, so Hampshire Police, Hampshire Fire and Rescue. We've got some FTSE 100 companies, uh, some big companies. We've got a few in the pipeline as well, which is really exciting. Um, Samaritans, so 20,000 volunteers have access to that training. Um, some smaller charities and some small businesses as well. And some trade unions, can't forget the trade unions. So it's quite a range of organisations that have got the training. And um, yeah, it's been brilliant. It's been, it's been really good talking to, um, and actually another, another avenue is the retail parks. So we launched an Oracle Centre in Reading all 100 retailers um, and the reason we did that on the 12th of April last year so we just had our first birthday was because that was the day when businesses opened up so you didn't just have your essential services you could go to a card shop you go to a food shop you go to a restaurant you could all these different things and I didn't want to have to say the same thing have the same conversation that 10 different locations saying oh huh, really sorry i'm deaf you're wearing a mask i can't lip read you can you take your mask off i'll wear mine oh no we can't take our mask off yes you can if you're socially distant or behind i don't want to have to do that it was so stressful and all the people i've spoken to who are deaf 
they, they said, we've lived with Amazon for a year. We don't need to go out, you know? <laughs> Why bother? And and so Prime was doing fine, thank you very much. And people decided, actually, the mental health of, of um, people who were deaf, I think, was really impacting them because they just didn't want to have that stressful conversation with people who clearly didn't understand and now i know it's a podcast but there are these posters that people can put in their reception area their shop window in a e departments and departments around the hospital which says we support deaf awareness and if you see that that tells someone who's deaf that the the staff have done the training so they understand and, and when i go into shops whether i'm wearing a mask or not and if I'm struggling, I don't tell them. I don't walk in going, hey, deaf guy, in the room. <laughs> you know, I, I don't do that. But if I start to struggle and I know they've got that in the window, I can kind of go, I'm really sorry. But, you know, I'm deaf and I notice you've got your We Support Deaf Awareness. Um, can you help me? And they, they're hopefully their training will kick in. And go, oh, great. OK, how can we best support you? How can we best communicate? That's one of the first things I ask people. And hopefully we'll have an empathetic, kind and patient conversation. And that's all I'm asking for. And so, yeah, so it's been a year with uh, the 12th of April. And um, yeah, it's carrying on. We've got uh, organisations in America and in New Zealand and uh, looking to grow. And we had our first university uh, joined, University of Kent, um, earlier this week. So looking to push the deaf awareness campaign to the education sector, which kind of haven't really been targeted um, last year. But we're going to do that this year. So hopefully um, more universities will join and uh, we'll see where we go in a year's time. Thank you um, for all of that. Um, I I obviously knew a lot about what you did, but you've you've given me so much more food for thought. But also to say you've achieved so much in such a relatively short space of time. Um, it really is exciting, but it's exciting to see it happen as well, because yeah. obviously being passionate about disability inclusion, seeing these campaigns, but seeing them succeed, seeing people, you know, take it up, staff being educated. It really does make all the difference. Mm. And that also comes back to the com- um, communication elements and what we were myth busting today and the two mm. key ones we were talking about is and these are things that I hear regularly is that if you provide captions then that means you're effectively communicating with all deaf people and the other one is which is almost contradictory but I do hear this a lot that all people all deaf people um can sign they yeah. all use sign language yeah. um but what's interesting as well, and we'll come on to those a bit more, but what's interesting as well is how important it is for the hearing community to actually listen. Because mm. I was listening to your story about being at the opticians, for instance, and I know when you returned and had a visible cue yeah. that someone did the right thing. But like you said yourself, you had told the optician time and again, <laughs> and they just weren't listening. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's on, uh, and I know people, I mean, one of the challenges, particularly when we went through the pandemic and people think, I can't take my mask off. But what's what's interesting is that you can take your mask off. If you're in theatre in a hospital, you can't. But if you're in a, a room where you can socially distance, you can take your mask off. And 
you're not at risk. It's not like I'm now open. I'm now pulling my mask off. So all the thing every time I breathe in, it's actually the person who you're going to be speaking to. So you're spreading your germs if you had any towards the person who said it's okay. We're socially distanced. Um, and I don't. I think there was a, a bit of fear. I think you know the number of t- number of times I've had people go, "You don't look deaf," you know, and, <laughs> and things like that. And uh, my my godfather, oh, I love my godfather. I mean, for for forty years, you know, he's in his uh, early eighties now. For forty years, he's been saying, "So Simon, how is it that I can hear you can hear me on the telephone?" And 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 I think one of the myths actually is oh, it's not maybe it's not a myth, but people think that it's binary. You either can't hear anything, or you can. And it's just not true. And you have these, you know, within with it. Take my own as an example. You know, um, it's measured on decibel. So how much of a decibel loss do you have? If it's over 80 decibels, then you're considered profoundly deaf. And for some people who are profoundly deaf, maybe 120 decibel here and they really can't hear anything at all. And so maybe they do sign. That's their way of communicating. I've got a, a approximately 75 decibel hearing loss, which is on the upper end of a severe scale. But that's not equal in both of my ears. So my left ear is, is I guess you'd probably say maybe it's about uh, 80% deaf in my left ear, and I'm maybe 60% deaf in my right ear. So, so, so my right ear is my what we call dominant ear. So you'll see me leaning towards you in my so to get my left my right ear as close to the action as I can. Um, and so no, so it's not everybody who is deaf can hear nothing. And so there's a whole range, and you get people who, as we get older, they're like, oh, I, I, I've been told I can't really hear. It's not good enough to have a hearing aid, but I'm struggling in with a bit of background noise. To some people, like, yeah, I've got a hearing aid, but I don't like wearing it. So they don't wear it, and so they're deaf. And then you've got people who do wear hearing aids, but they also rely on um, subtitles. Oh, sorry, um, uh, lip reading. That's a big thing for me. Not everybody can lip read. Another myth, everybody who's deaf can lip read. No, they can't. My <laughs> mum, my mum, bless her, is going deaf. And she's, um, we don't know whether it's just old age or whether there's something that's um, escalating that. But it's just in the last year. I've been lip reading for 48 years. My lip reading is pretty good as a result. My mum, who's been going deaf for a year, her lip reading is not great at all. You can learn, you can improve it. But that's, you know, just because you're deaf doesn't mean to say that you sign or that you use signing. And it doesn't mean to say that you can read either. So, yeah, there's lots of myths around deafness that we can explore. Yeah, well, there's another one, actually, you just made me think about because you were saying about people saying you don't look deaf. I know people <laughs> are often told they don't sound deaf. Yes. So yeah. That's so another that, thing. And that's a really that's a really interesting one, because. And so, so if you imagine um, you are completely deaf, profoundly deaf, you're really talking how you think the word sounds or the, or the sound sounds. So if you can't 
hear anything or if you can't hear much at all your speech of the way that you say the sounds is not going to mimic reality and then there's a gradient so i can hear a proportion so i can hear most and my my voice i mean i think most people would would agree that they unless they saw my hearing aids they wouldn't know that i was deaf and that's because my speech is good and that can be a real pain because everybody forgets and I'm, i don't mean this in a you know i'm 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 very fortunate that I can hear some. Uh, my speech is good, but it's, it can be a bit of a pain because everybody forgets. Within 10 seconds of me talking, people forget that I have a hearing impairment or I'm deaf or however you want to describe it. And in fact, in my household, and this is true, uh, the, the, the single most common thing I say in my household is I can't lip read around corners because they're always calling me for, Dad, can you put the dinner on? Dad, can you let the dog out? Whatever. And they're calling me for some reason. And it's around the corner or it's in another room. I can't hear them. But because I don't have a speech impediment associated with my deafness, people aren't reminded each time I talk. So, yes, if you sound deaf, if you're profoundly deaf and you have a, a, a level of hearing where your speech is unfortunately impacted, then people will be reminded that you have, and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm just saying people will be reminded when you when they talk. But um, as someone who has got reasonable speech, I struggle, so I can't hear high-pitched sounds. So the I say the easiest way to describe it is I can hear the vowels, A-E-I-O-U, the low sounds, but the high pitches are I can't hear those. So things like chip and ship, now, I can say that I can tell the difference, but I have to really concentrate. So when I'm talking about fish and chips, yeah, or I'll give you an example. Uh, and the it's on the training. I have been calling this opera singer by her wrong name all my life. Charlotte Church. So I didn't know it was an S or Charlotte. So I don't ch and ch Charlotte Church seems weird that it would be different. Charlotte, and I have to really concentrate to say Charlotte, to think of the S or to think of the C. So the consonants are the things that I can't hear. So that's my very small speech issue um, that I have. And uh, and obviously people, another thing, I, just to finish up on that one, um, speech, you don't sound deaf. Well, my mum is going deaf. She's had 70 odd years, I won't give away her real age, so 70 odd years of not being deaf. So her speech is fine. So what people are really saying is, if you were born profoundly deaf, you don't sound deaf, right? Because, because you know, the, the sound doesn't, you know. So um, there's so many different, I think people see it through a, a binary issue. It's either yeah. switched on or off. It's, you're deaf or you're not. You you sound deaf or you, or you're not deaf, and and all these things you must you must sign if you're deaf, and um, it's just simply not true. So. 
I, I do want to talk about captions and sign language, but mm. I also just want to say, because it's relevant to what we've been talking about, I read a brilliant article recently from a lady who, she wasn't born deaf, but she is profoundly deaf. So her speech is perfectly clear. But she now has decided that when she goes out with her deaf friends, she's opting to not speak at all because she said the problem they get is when they get, for instance, you know, a, someone comes to serve them and they recognise that they're a deaf group, they take care in how they communicate with them with pointing and speaking clearly and looking at them. As soon as she would say, for instance, oh, how is the fish cooked? All of a sudden, all of it went out of the window yeah. because they would make an assumption that she was the person at the table who wasn't deaf. Yeah, and then so it she's all literally, to her. Yeah, yeah, so she's literally stopped speaking because it was causing her more problems than not. And it was just a really interesting thing to read about. And mm. it was great how she actually structured it together, because what she put, um, it, you know, it wasn't English. What she put was kind of she wrote out sounds as to from looking at the woman, what she thought she was saying, because she couldn't see her clearly. Um, <laughs> but it really brought the situation to life. You know, as a, as a hearing person, it, it was a fantastic read. Yeah. I'll be honest. Long articles and me, we're not really friends. I don't normally read to the end, but I did. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that because um, it was it was brilliant. And, um, and, I, 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 and just to add to that, I guess is um, the deafness is when people find out that you're deaf, and so hidden disability or in, in, uh, invisible disability. Um, if you have a speech impediment, and I don't have a speech issue with my hearing, not not a significant one, as I as I mentioned, people here they they think that you're stupid. Um, and the other way it's played out is they ask you to they ask you something, pick up the cup, or can you bring this over, or can you do that? And I got thrown off a project, as I mentioned. It's not they don't immediately think oh they're deaf. I just think it was stupid. Why did you pick the ball up when I asked you to pick the cup up, for example? I heard ball. <laughs> I heard ball. That was what I heard. I picked the right up. But you said something else, and I didn't hear what you said. Um, and so there's, there's, there is discrimination, I think, with regards to just a perception that mm, I haven't got time to really think about what it means to be deaf. I asked you to do something and didn't do it. You did something else, probably be a bit slow or a bit, you know, and it's not nice because that's not true. And it's people who've got a disability. And I think people who've got disabilities have got the, the most resilient, um, incredible people. You think what these people had to go through. You know, I've had I've had a little bit of bullying, not much. So some people had worse bullying than I have. And and I, I, but I did have to work twice as hard as my students, at um, my, my colleagues at university to get my education. So, so I think there's a lot to be said for how people persevere and um, really work hard and, and are an asset to companies because of what they've been through with their disability and how they've overcome some of the challenges that they've had. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting what you said about that article, because I, I do think that your perceptions and they go, oh, this person, even if this person isn't, this has got good speech, there's a, even if she is deaf, we'll just, we'll talk to her. And, and it's excluding everyone else who she's out with. So uh, yeah, really good. I'm, I'll have to read that. That'd be really good to read.
I'll, I'll have to uh, find it. Yeah, that'd be good. I'll have to share it with this episode as well. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Yes, I'm, sure, I'm sure lots of people would be interested to uh, to read that. So, yeah, so find the link. It's really that'd good be really stuff. good. Um, so just coming on to captions, mm. a few things to cover on this. One is that, just for the record, um, it doesn't replace sign language. Um, we'll talk a bit more about sign language, but sign language by nature has its own grammar. So actually written English is a is a foreign language. So we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about that in a bit. But mm. that's one thing to bear in mind that it isn't a replacement. But of course, captions are still essential. Um, it's not even just for deaf people, to be fair. Captions <laughs> can play a massive part for, yeah. you know, people who are feeling a bit overstimulated, people who are busy in other ways, people who have a language barrier, so many things. But of course, for a lot of people who are deaf, they are an essential means of communication when it comes to videos mm. and um, webcasts and things. So one thing about captions as well mm-hmm. is accuracy. <laughs> Yeah, we, people we like call, to do things we, quickly. We call it craptions in the, <laughs> in the trade, but uh, it's not bad. I mean, accuracy, you're absolutely right. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, yeah, carry on. It's, uh, I've got lots of ammo about this myth busting. <laughs> no, absolutely. I just wanted to say people like to do things quickly and I completely appreciate that. But artificial intelligence isn't intelligent enough when it comes to creating captions that are actually giving the message that you intended and the message you hear if you can. So it's so important that, I mean, it is good to pick a tool that you know is as accurate as you know you can get. Um, and there are some really inexpensive tools out there that are pretty good, but it's also so important that you do take the time to go through and actually correct the wording so that it is an equitable experience and people are all getting the same message and also so you don't embarrass yourself because sometimes the narrative can be really different because AI thought you were giving something else. Yeah no it's you're absolutely right I mean I use I mean particularly because of the pandemic and um, even now the hybrid working as everyone's calling it and working in the office and as you know I've just come back from the office but I'm in the office uh, one day a week um, but for those other days, and in fact, when I'm in the office, because other people are working from home, I'm on the video calls anyway in the office. I'm not actually having conversations with people. I'm on video. So I spend most of my day on videos. Um, and we happen to use Teams. I've used Zoom, Google, and there's loads of them out there. Um, they aren't perfect. Um, but I think, and you touched on it, I think it's important that people appreciate the tool that the deaf or others use in talking about uh, captions, closed captions. And I don't think people really understand what it does. It's a little bit like people saying, oh, well, you've got, you know, a sight problem. So you wear glasses, you've got 20-20 vision. Um, You can't hear, so we'll give you captions. But it's not the same. One of the, the biggest challenges I find with um, closed captions, certainly on Teams, in, is that if you have a strong accent, and it's, this is not, this is just, it's discriminating against people who've got a strong accent, but if you have a strong accent, it doesn't handle that pretty well at the moment. So I struggle immensely 
uh, with a number of people who I work with on a regular basis that I can't rely on the subtitles. So what happens is it does try to change the word. So if it if it recognizes, if I were that ICU, if I'm in a hospital, ICU, as opposed to I S E E Y O U. Okay. But I've just typed in, I've just said hospital ICU, and it's come up as ICU, but it's also done I-S-E-E-Y as one word, O-U. So it's learning, but it's not perfect. And in fact, and I don't think I've actually mentioned this, uh, Jodie, but I've, I'm starting a, a bit of a campaign. I know this is going out in um, Deaf Awareness Week. And actually on the 5th, on the Thursday the 5th, I'm starting this, or I'm, I'm going to this campaign called um, uh, Closed Captions for a Day. And the idea being is that you in, try to encourage businesses and organisations and their staff to switch on subtitles or closed captions on that day for people who are not deaf. And then they can start to see, actually, it's really good. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now and, and I know you are as well. And it's pretty good. It's not it's not something to bash. But if you've got three or four or five people on a video call all chipping in, and the great thing about Teams, for example, is it says Simon, and then what I say, and then it will say Jody, and what you say. In Zoom, it doesn't. It just says the text, and it's like a, a you know whole load of lines of, of text. It doesn't distinguish between the people who are talking. So they're they're all slightly different. But yeah, so the 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 uh, closed caption for a day is designed to try and open people's eyes. Deaf Awareness Week is great, tells you about lived experience and helps you understand what people do. But actually, what I'm trying to do is create behavior change. So if you live in the shoes of someone who's deaf, who uses this tool all day, every day, hopefully you'll come away, away with an appreciation of the mental capacity or the mental challenge of trying to watch the subtitles, listen to what someone's saying, see the screen, the PowerPoint presentation that they're sharing. And when it's wrong, trying to work out what was wrong so you still get the context of the conversation, but also to understand that it's um, it's not perfect. And, uh, and that's the idea. And I think leaving it a little bit late, you know, a couple of weeks before um, Deaf Awareness Week, this will be a little trial. And then what we'll do is during the course of this year, leading up to next year in the uh, Deaf Awareness Week. We'll push it a bit more. I'm already speaking to radio stations and, and other organisations, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a bit of a presence. But maybe next year will be when, when it gets a bit bigger. And that's the plan. Excellent. A couple of things actually on captions. And for what you were saying, for instance, about Teams and having the speaker identifiers, I, I found that to be such a massive improvement. And actually, the accuracy has got so much better in teams than it used to be. But yeah. I think that's the other thing. You know, we are seeing improvements. We're seeing the AI solutions improve because, of course, they're learning all the time. Mm. But we are seeing companies like, you know, Microsoft with Teams um, start to add in new functionality. And for me, even for me, you know, I can hear, but the speaker identifiers are massively helpful. So, you know, if I was deaf, I would absolutely rely on them. I wouldn't have to try and concentrate on nine things at once to even work out who was saying what. It's exhausting. Yes. Um, but another thing, and I'm a massive advocate of this, for those that are actually hosting large events, 
there is no replacement for human transcription. Mm. Having an actual typist providing accurate transcripts. And also the fact that you can give them, you know, like key phrases, maybe scientific terms, names, of course, in advance means that, again, you get that real accuracy. So, yeah, please, those listening that are having, you know, running large webcasts, events, maybe global webinars, um, think about that because remote captioning is actually a very cost effective way of having really accurate captions for your own. I think, I think it's, it's it's really it's an interesting point and um, it is cost effective. I think if it's like an event and it's, uh, for example, um, the company I work for, we are on a big program. Um, we do an all hands every month. Now, we could do. I could have that for one hour every month, 100 people. Um, that would be a good way. I'm in. I'm on calls all day, every day, from pretty much 8:30 or 9 o'clock through till about 5:36. So, unless they were joined at the hip and they come to every single meeting, it does that? I can understand, uh, and, and I don't think I need it quite so much. I think I can get by. Um, but when there's a big event, an important event, I think that something like that would be really would be really useful. And it'd be interesting to to hear from organisations actually that do have that facility within their own organisation for their staff. Um, so that would be really interesting to see what kind of organisations actually do that. How how far are they down the um, the, the disability awareness that actually they in, incorporate that? So um, yeah, it's fascinating, and, and I know BSL is another another way. Um, and you can have there are some tools where you can have a, or you can set it up in such a way with Teams where you can have somebody. I think it's Zoom actually. I've not used it because I'm not a BSL. Another myth. Everyone who's deaf has is uh, fluent in BSL. Well, I apologise, I'm not. Um, but uh, that's another thing. You know, having someone who can actually sign. And I could watch, or if I needed it, I could watch somebody whilst watching a PowerPoint presentation, whilst watching video, you know, lip reading of other people. It's another another thing to to help me get the full picture of what is what's being said. So uh, yeah, they're, they're changing all the time, and like you said, the AI and the features—not even AI, but the actual features of the tools—are evolving. And um, it's really exciting to see where that's going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's just a great stuff. A top tip from me as well. When you're booking a remote captioner or um, if you're booking a sign language interpreter, always give yourself a good 15 minutes either end. So you've got an hour's event, book them 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after. It does mean you're booking them for an hour and a half. But the challenge you have is you want to make sure everything is set up, ready to go and all the connectivity is working well. But also, you don't want, if your meeting overruns by a few minutes, if someone's got back-to-back bookings, you don't want to lose your um, transcriber and your um, interpreter because they need to get to their next yeah, one. So that that little catchment, it makes such a difference for the continuity and making sure that the whole event is genuinely inclusive. Yeah, that's a really good point because I, um, I do that with um, booking meeting rooms. I always book it 15 minutes beforehand because, you know, you don't want to be fumbling around trying to get the technology up 
and uh, the meeting's already started so at least you do that 10 minutes beforehand so yeah that's another another tip not for disability but i think that's a really good point you know if you bring in services from outside you really want to make sure that you don't have them just drop off one minute after the event and i've still got another 15 minutes or so yes good point so um i don't want to touch on sign language and you mentioned Mm -hmm. bsl which is Mm -hmm. british sign language um and i know you're not a bsl user yourself but it fascinates me. So we will actually, I tell you what, we'll have another episode um, where we'll bust more myths specifically around sign language. Mm. But just to touch on it now, I mean, it is fascinating for me because I just think they're, they're magnificent languages. But also, I think a lot of people misunderstand sign language and kind of think there's one. Um, and a lot of the time what I see is global events yeah. where because we're inclusive, we will have ASL or American Sign Language <laughs> interpreters there. Well, that's brilliant if you're American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if it's a global event, what happened to everybody else? Yeah. And I think that there's good intention, but there is such a misunderstanding a lot of the time. And as I say, we'll delve into this in another episode, but there are so many sign languages around the world um, mm. and all completely different to each other. Absolutely. I mean, um apologies for the background noise um the it's amazing when you see bsl i mean somebody who and i know people who are fluent in it and and actually they say it's their first language uh so they don't speak english they sign english they sign bsl and people may not be aware of this but asl american sign language almost the vast majority of it not everything but there's a huge amount is done on one hand, and it is incredible. I keep thinking they're going to have arthritis or something in their, their fingers because the way that they move and the dexterity and the way that they communicate, um, whereas BSL uses both hands for you know doing certain words and certain expressions. But what's really amazing is the expression of how people um, communicate. And you only have to watch when they were doing the, um, you know, on the news, when they were doing the briefings, uh, particularly in Scotland, they didn't do it quite so much in England, but in Scotland they did that. You see the expression, it's not, it's almost like they use their hands, but they use their face and they smile and they, you know, they, they, they make expressions with their face, which adds to the color of, the language itself and it's brilliant and it's so amazing and I have actually signed up for a BSL course but I haven't done it yet I've just been so busy but I'd love to be able to be um, fluent in BSL and it's one of my I'll probably do it when I retire but I, I'd love to do that as a as a hobby so that I could communicate with some of my friends who are um, profoundly deaf and who are deaf whereas they tend to I t- we tend to rely on lip reading and it's not always brilliant. You know, if we did sign language, it would probably be easier. But you could talk about other people without anyone knowing as well. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing language. And taking, you know, I mean, and I'm talking to a company, uh, an organisation, sorry, in New Zealand, and they have their own, you know, it's every everything's nuanced. What's interesting about BSL and in all the others is that you have regional regional differences as well so somebody who was born in london 
would have an expression which would be completely alien to somebody living in Sheffield, for example. Same word, different way of it describing it. Or and and that's what's so amazing as well with BSL. It is a language. It's it's not a nice to have. It's essential for some people. And I'll just touch a little bit on that. Um, there's 12 million people in the country who have a hill, approximately. I haven't counted them recently, but it's about 12 million. Um, they have a hearing loss or are deaf. And it starts, as I mentioned earlier, like this continuum from from being slightly hard of hearing in crowds to wearing, you know, not wearing a cochlear implant and being profoundly deaf and using BSL. So there's a whole thing in there. And the statistics I've found is that out of those 12 million people, 87,000 people rely on um, sign language. This is in the UK. So they rely on sign language. And what they say, that is their first language, 87,000 people. And what a lot of them, do, what a lot of people do, you know, if they've got the luxury, if they go shopping or whatever, um, they may find that they have a, an interpreter with them. And that interpreter will interpret on behalf of the person because it's just, it's difficult, you know, at times. Like for me, when I had my, when I had the mask and I couldn't get my message across because I couldn't hear what they were going to say back to me. It's the same with signing. You know, they they want to communicate. That's why they're here. They've got a question. They've returned something or whatever in the shop. But because they the person, the other person doesn't do signing, it's just difficult. So sometimes I have an interpreter with them, and that person will be the go-between. But there is 11 million, 900 and something thousand, I'm not good at maths, who might know signing, might know some sign, but they may not be fluent in it, or they may not need it for their job. But they can communicate by speech, and they, they lip-read, and they wear hearing aids. So, you know, the, the myth of that everyone who's deaf um, science um, is not true. And in fact, I mean, I don't know the whole story of this, but I, know, I think it's um, Graham Alexander Bell. His parents were deaf. I'm, I'm getting confused with the whole story, but there's a story out there. Basically, they taught people uh, in deaf schools and they had to sit on their hands because they tried to stop people from signing. And I think what they wanted to do was if you sign, you become excluded from society. In actual fact, you know, it's a language in itself, there's a culture, but it should be encouraged. And unfortunately, people were stopped from doing that. And I think it's changed now. I think we're talking, you know, several decades ago, but, but that happened. So it's really, you know, just because they're deaf, it doesn't mean to say that they sign. Um, some of them do, some of them want to do it. Um, because it's uh, they've got friends if they went to a deaf school and their friends were more profoundly deaf than they are, and um, so they they learn it. But it's not always the case. That, well, it isn't the case. I mean, if you come up to me and start signing, I might be able to say thank you because everybody knows how to say thank you now that they've been watching uh, the amazing Rose on um, Strictly Come Dancing. Um, but anything more than that, I can do the alphabet. But it would take me a long time to string a sentence together if I just used every single letter. So uh, it's an amazing language. I thoroughly recommend people if they've got the time to learn it. But unfortunately, it's not possible for everybody to be doing BSL.
No, absolutely. And I have actually started learning. Um, have you? Brilliant. But what I find really difficult is remembering all the signs because I don't have anyone to practice with on a regular basis. Yeah. So I've been trying to find a local group. Mm. I haven't succeeded yet, but I'm still trying so that I could actually get out there, meet more of the deaf community local to me, but also they can help me to get more proficient. So watch this space. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, brilliant. I'm well trying. done. Well done. And uh, I'm, I, yeah, I think that's something that um, I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, if you're going to learn French, go to France. You know, so if you're going to learn BSL, you want somebody who you can talk to or learn at the same time so that you can, uh, you know, egg each other on and, and try and practice. But uh, oh, well done. You. You're better. You're better than me because I've signed up, but I haven't started. So uh, good for you. I'm only just starting on the grammar. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see how this goes. <laughs> well, Simon, you know, cool. we've, we've shared so many things already today. Like, it's been really great. Um, and you have achieved so much. Oh, thank you. If I was going to ask you, what's your biggest achievement? Oh. What would you say it was? Do you know what? I think the biggest achievement um, was getting into the first NHS trust. Um, that was quite hard. And a funny story that um, the lady, I won't name her name, but uh, she knows who she is. Um, she was a, a key contact within the hospital uh, in the hospital trust and she said oh, this is a great idea brilliant um she was deaf so similar to me actually and she said um awesome idea we're going to do this fantastic but i'll just need to check the training first and i'm like oh my god someone who's deaf is going to check my training and they're going to be like what a charlatan who's this guy load of old nonsense all this training that he's purportedly put together but um, she actually did the training. She came back to me and she said, that was brilliant training. And even I learned something as well. So I thought, oh, fantastic. So I got the seal of approval from her and we got into one NHS. And on the back of that, it just snowballed to, and, and having that credibility of that first NHS trust um, was amazing. So I think that was the one. If I hadn't got into that NHS trust, I think I would have struggled to get to where we are. So, you know, I'm, I'm targeting a million people and have access to the training and, you know, that might not be possible, but we're at 210,000 within just over a year. So a um, couple more years, see where we are. So on that note, I might now know the answer to this question before I ask it, but I like <laughs> to ask all of our guest speakers this same sure. question. So if you had a magic wand, Harry Potter style, and you could change one thing to make the world more inclusive or accessible, and um, particularly, of course, for people who are deaf or hard of hearing, what would you change? One thing I would like to... Uh, can, I, can I throw in three behaviours? Go for it. What I want... So the, the basis of the training is to creating empathetic, kind and patient conversations and that is whether it's um an old lady trying to get some money out of a purse whether it's someone who's deaf and they're struggling to at uh, the train station and being able to understand when their train's going to be going whether it's someone who's blind or, or sight challenged and they don't know where they're going so if you can get everybody to have those three behaviors of empathy kindness and patience I think we'll be a better society 
and we'll be a more inclusive society. And I think that would that would be my answer. Love that. Um, so before I come to my last question for you, actually, I've got another, another one. Um, <laughs> before that, well, I suppose this is a question as well, so I'm kind of cheeky there. Okay. How do people find you? How do they find out more about all the stuff you're doing, the training? Yeah, so well, um, so basically the website is um, we support deafawareness.org. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Simon Houghton, Simon H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N, Houghton. Um, also, you can go to We Support Deaf Awareness on LinkedIn. So we have a, a company page and you can find out more about that. Um, but if you go to the website, uh, we support deafawareness.org and you'll be able to get information from there. You'll be able to get in contact with me and uh, there's information you can download, uh, which will help you understand what we're trying to do. Wonderful. And of course, we can share links when we publicise the episode. So that would be good stuff. Um, what would you really like people to take away today from this episode that they can start making improvements today? Question. Um, I think for me, it's about communication. And I mentioned about the when I got thrown off a project. And I remember that. And that was in 2001. So 21 years ago when that happened. And I think when you talk to somebody who's got a, a disability, you have the power to make it a positive or a negative experience. And so I think the power of your words, the, cho the chosen words you use to communicate with someone can have an absolute profound effect, positively or negatively. And I think irrespective of what it is, they will remember. I remembered in 2001 being told to unceremoniously being thrown off a project and told to fly back to London the following morning. I've also met people in supermarkets who have automatically taken their mask down when they've seen that I have a mask that says that I'm deaf. I'll remember that for decades to come. So think about your actions and think about what you say, because that can have a you can have an amazing impact on someone's life but let's make it a positive one rather than a negative one perfect that's absolutely brilliant <laughs> thank you so much um now all that's really left for me to say is a big thank you to you simon because honestly i, I always learn when i speak to you anyway but yeah so much to take away and i'm sure our listeners are going to want to sort of find out a lot more um but i have no doubt that there's learnings in this conversation for everybody <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been lovely to be here. It's great to catch up again. We we have a great laugh when we uh, when we catch up. So it's been brilliant. So thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you, of course, to all of our listeners. Um, I hope you have enjoyed that. I hope that you have got some food for thought. I don't doubt it. Um, but we'd love to obviously know more. Um, yeah. So take care, and we'll be back soon with more myth busting. Thank you for listening to this podcast and we really hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the other wonderful guest speakers we have lined up.